Welcome to Inside the Economy with SHNJ, presented by Larry Howes of Sharkey, Howes, and Javer. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy from Sharkey, Howes, and Javer. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. The uh, CPI, much-awaited CPI, the core of the CPI, that's without food or energy, is at 1.8. That's exciting news to all the Fed watchers and inflation people like me. It's kind of firming and might stay there. As you know, the Fed has been targeting 2% inflation for quite some time, and we struggle to get there. Well, we're at 1.8, and it might actually be firming enough, so we might be at 2% sometime next year. Maybe. There is no disinflation or removal of inflation coming from overseas. So that's our number. And globally, there's a lot of people that love to have one and a half, one point eight percent inflation. Quick look at the numbers. Not a lot of excitement. Oil is still above $55 a barrel. Uh, unemployment, 4.1. And whether the Federal Reserve raises rates here in December or not, the market has already put the raise in there. The three months is at 1.29. That's kind of a done deal. All right. <clears throat> Mortgage growth, which is a big tracker of the housing side of the economy, important side of the economy, has been flat now all of 2017. Some of that is incredible increase in rates from 3.8 to 4 for a 30-year mortgage. Yes, that's sarcastic. And the prospect that we might actually see rates in the high fours or low fives sometime in the next 12 months. Mortgages have slowed. Well, mortgages have diminished. Not only have they increased in quality due to the higher lending standards after the 2008 debacle, there's also fewer of them out there. More people with the money are paying them off or paying all cash for their houses. And the lending standards require that you have pretty high credit numbers to get one in the first place. Now, here is mortgages versus consumer loans. And you'll notice that there has been some, some consumer spending. It's up a little bit. A lot of that is cars. Some of that is toys. Some of that is forming new households. It's not a lot of new mortgages. Now, just got a notice from BMW. It's the first one I've seen where they're doing 0% financing. I'm sure everybody will be there before Christmas. The race is on. This is the other household debt delinquencies. They're unexciting. They've been coming down. The only two areas that are showing any activity at all is student loans, and that's been that way since 2012, and now autos. Both of these, again, are people with lower end of the credit scores, 600 or less. And there's been some defaults. Auto loans all the way up to 4%. That's not a crisis. It's just that everything else is still trending down. Average quality is getting better in the consumer lending market, except in those two areas. Now, uh, back to the inflation front. Medicare is a big part of any rural hospital or a lot of people that are retired. 
the payments of those that provide Medicare services, that's hospitals and other physicians that do that kind of care, have <clears throat> been flat for about five years. I don't see that changing in the near future. Regardless of what goes on in the Tax Act, I don't believe the, the payments to Medicare or Medicaid are going to change very much. That's a nice way of saying <clears throat> there's no inflation in the medical care side of things. Huge piece of a service economy. In fact, inflation is down on, medi on medical business. A lot of great attractive stocks that a lot of you are invested in are part of the diagnostic changes that's going on in medicine in the US. But there's not increases in the cost of services or paying or payments to any of the service providers. That's not going to change for the foreseeable future. Now, the revenue side, once again, the S&P 500 is way up. It's, I'll guess today it's up about 14%. I'm not sure. It's a big number. But this is the revenue numbers. This is where the revenues have been since about 2006. They're huge. 18, we're going to be in 2018, we'll probably be $1,250 a share. Granted, there are fewer shares out, and we've talked about that a little bit, but the revenue numbers are still huge. Anytime there's an increase in business overseas, that has an immediate impact on revenues to the S&P 500, and it is happening. Of course, the reverse is true too. If the globe slows or the US slows, that comes out of revenues much faster than earnings per share uh, after the magic of some accounting. That's very positive. It's very supportive of where the S&P 500 is now. Uh, we could have another fairly positive year next year, which is rapidly approaching. <clears throat> now, this is a kind of a confusing chart I show every now and then. This is basically about the yield curve. Now, the orange is the difference between the two-year treasury and the 10-year treasury, the yields on the two-year and the 10-year. And the bright green is the difference between the five-year and the 30-year. The difference being how much more you get paid for buying a 10-year treasury versus a two-year treasury. It's called a yield curve. And this part of it right now is showing that the yield curve is flattening. Normally, that's a portent of a recession. This time, it is not. Now, here is a cleaner, simpler example. At the top there is the March 2007 yield curve. It is flat. It was about to invert. Uh, we had a, uh, an unpleasant recession shortly thereafter. This is March 2007. Well, this is December 10, November 10, sorry, in the red right now. And the left side of the curve, as you're looking at it, that's the short end. That's the one-month treasury. That's the end that the Federal Reserve affects. It is coming up because the Federal Reserve is raising rates. So the yield curve is flattening. And you're going to hear in the media and some investment newsletters that, OMG, we're going to have a recession next year. Well, no, we're not. And almost certainly not in 2019 either. It's the fact that the long end of the curve, the 30-year treasuries, they're at four, three and a half. There's no impetus for them to go higher. There's no inflation, and treasuries are still very popular. So this yield curve is going to flatten. 
And it's just going to stay that way for a while until rates creep up. I don't see that in the foreseeable future. Okay. Now on a local comment. Only eight years after the Great Recession of 2008, the normally frugal citizens of Denver coughed up a billion dollars for road work, libraries, infrastructure, improved some commercial properties, lots of things. This is unusual for my fellow citizens. Uh, it's also extremely positive. It's very indicative of a, of a comfort and confidence feeling consumer that they would spend their tax dollars this way. It will have a huge impact the multiplier is very high on infrastructure projects. We've talked about that before. It'll probably keep the Denver economy robust for a decade. Uh, given what's going on here, it's probably a very good use of money. I thought it was a good move. Now, we've talked a lot about how foreign, foreign people keep buying U.S. long-term securities. Long-term securities in the eyes of the of the U.S. Department of Treasury also includes stock. And September was no difference. There was another $23 billion of new money put in the U.S. stock market. New money, not money transferred, new stuff from overseas. That's running about $400 billion total right now. That's where the world invests their money. We've talked about that. Even governments, institutions are going to start buying more. And since Norway has made the announcement that they're going to get out of the energy business and energy stocks with their sovereign fund, you're going to see a lot of that money come here over the next couple of years. Uh, here is a, don't be surprised why the current upcoming king of Saudi Arabia has locked up a bunch of his princes wondering where all the money is. Saudi Arabia has a lot of money offshore. A lot of the princes who have made billions of dollars off your gasoline revenues uh, buy property in Miami. They buy it in Toronto. They do a lot of things with it. They don't leave it in Saudi Arabia. They sort of lead the pack though, of having the citizens with money offshore. Same for Argentina, Turkey, UK even, Germany. They all have a lot of money offshore. It's, some of it's indicative they don't want to invest it or are afraid to invest it in their own country. Interestingly enough, towards the end, down on the real skinny end of this chart, you'll see China hiding there in the, in the shadows. There's been billions moved out of China in the last several years, and we've talked about that because of a lot of reasons. But you can't do it through the International Bank of Settlements, like all the rest of these people. You have to be a little more cautious in China. So we really don't know how big that number is. But we do know that uh, Vancouver, Seattle, Los Angeles, even Toronto are huge recipients of a lot of Chinese money. We've been through that before. It's a question of confidence. Now, as bad as the fires were in Northern California and some of those counties were hurt bad and horrible impact on a lot of the people up there. Uh, the costs of repairing all the damage is not going to impact California at all. They're moving forward quite well. I'd say the same for Texas and cleaning up in Houston. 
Florida a little bit different. It's not going to impact the United States. In fact, it's going to be a net positive in the long run. But this is uh, what's happened to the bonds in Puerto Rico. This is price. They got hit pretty hard. You could put this and change the scale, and I'll tell you that the population numbers in the island of Puerto Rico look just like this. They have no confidence. They're leaving. I don't know where the money's come, going to come from to repair what's going on in Puerto Rico. I seriously doubt the federal government is going to, well, just step in and say, we'll pay for anything. We'll see. But they're, uh, well, economically, they've been set back quite a ways. This, however, is Europe. This is sentiment in the European Economic Council and the ECB. Their uh, attitudes are good. Their buying is good. Their consumer spending is good. They've picked up a lot. Germany just announced a little while ago they're having trouble finding workers to meet orders. That's usually indicative that an economy is moving along quite well. Uh, they're right back to where they were when the euro first came out. Great news. This, however, is going to be an issue since the UK is leaving the European Union, the Brexit. This is Ireland. Ireland, as we all know, Northern Ireland, being part of the UK, is staying with the UK. That's headquartered in Belfast. They are leaving the European Union. The Republic of Ireland, south of there, uh, headquartered in Dublin, are not leaving the Union. They are ardent supporters of the Union and definitely want a place to employ a lot of their young people. And that's the Euro. This is liable to be the only hard border in Europe soon. They're going to have to do something to separate Northern Ireland from the Republic of Ireland. The uh, Treaty of Good Friday, which is 20-some years old by now, is quite specific about that. And I think how Ireland is going to feel about being treated by the UK or the Eurozone uh, is going to be a big issue. Uh, this is energy usage. This is from the IEA. They're great believers in tracking who is going to need more energy going forward. And this is not just oil. This is all kinds of energy. Europe, a lot less than they use now. United States, less. Japan, less. Efficiency, some sustainability, uh, LEDs versus incandescent lights. You could come up with a lot of reasons. But the more developed nations are going to be needing less and less of it over time. But you notice who's going to need the most. India, huge amount. China, huge. Africa, equally huge. Uh, unfortunately, if you're in the oil business, you're used to getting paid in dollars. Almost all international oil contracts are settled in dollars. Venezuela is the only one that tried to get out of that, and they're trying to make it work. It didn't work for them. I'm not sure it'll work for anybody else. Uh, rupees out of India and yuan out of China aren't real popular currencies in international trade, unless you have to. That'll be an issue for the large oil producers. Uh, thanks for now. I think there's no drama going on in the U.S. market, and the economy looks great. So uh, 
I'll see you next time. Thank you. Learn more about Sharky House and Javer at shwj.com. Thank you for listening.